0: okay here we go stand by three
1: two one the thinking
0: atheist it's not a person it's a symbol an idea
2: the population of atheists in this country is going through the roof.
0: rejecting faith pursuing knowledge challenging the sacred. If I tell the truth, it's because I tell the truth. Not because I put my hand on a book and made a wish. And working together
2: for a more rational world. Take the risk of thinking for yourself. Much more happiness, truth, beauty, and wisdom will come to you that way.
0: Assume nothing. Question everything. And start thinking. This is the Thinking Atheist Podcast. Hosted
2: By Seth Andrews. It's a study out. Uh, This was published a few years back. Cognitive scientists doing research for Boston University published a study Judgments about Fact and Fiction by Children from Religious and Non Religious Backgrounds. And big surprise, young children with a religious background were less able to distinguish between fantasy and reality as compared to their secular counterparts. They took uh, two different studies, 66 kindergarten-aged children, and they gave them three types of stories, realistic stories, religious stories, and fantastical stories. And then they asked them about the characters and the stories themselves. Nearly all the kids found that the figures in the realistic stories felt real. But secular and religious kids were split on the religious stories. Where the secular kids heard these religious stories and saw the characters as more fictional, children with a religious upbringing tended to view the protagonists as real and this also bled into stories with fantasy narratives that had a supernatural or magical storyline. Secular kids more likely than religious kids to judge the protagonist in a fantasy story as fictional. And that study suggests that exposure to religious ideas has a huge impact on children's differentiation between fact and fiction, right? Reality and Fantasy, and not just when it comes to religious stories, but any sort of fantastical tale that comes along. This is a broadcast about religious education, targeting young children with essentially indoctrination. We're going to talk about several of the different curriculums. I'm going to talk about the hashtag expose Christian schools. With the person who started the hashtag, Dr. Chrissy Stroop, and we're going to get input from many of our listeners who were themselves indoctrinated in Christian schools. Okay, let's get into some specifics here. This either relates specifically to programming Christianity into kids or just woefully inadequate. The formatting of questions in these workbooks that are supposed to teach kids about the world... I don't know who wrote this stuff, but I'm going to give you some really pathetic examples, okay? Examples of what happens when people who are not trained educators attempt to educate. This is an actual question from the Accelerated Christian Education, or ACE, program. This is targeted to Christian schools and homeschools. It is from the second grade lesson book. The question says, put the right word in the blank. God made blank and oceans on day three. God made rivers and lakes of blank. God made blank and oceans of water. Now, notice whatever the word is that goes inside the blank. This is a hugely telling format for education, whether it's language, history, science, whatever. Attorneys would call these leading questions because while they are about nouns, the larger message is this God made, God made. God made. It's not even really presented as a question. This is how you fashion a world for young children where God is simply assumed. And the ACE program loves its multiple choice questions. Here are some other actual examples. The temperature reading was a Celsius reading. Celsius is A, a certain Bible, or B, the metric temperature scale. Plunger means A, a dolphin, B, a pump part, or C, a brown car. Mr. Francesco Reddy did not think that meat could make maggots. Mr. Francesco Reddy was A, a famous scientist, or B, a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? The hungry duck flew to the pond. Flu means A, it's made of blue cheese, B, to eat grain, or C, did fly. This is targeted to 12th grade students. When an actor speaks to himself alone on the stage to let the audience know what he's thinking and feeling, he's A, giving a soliloquy, B, faking insanity, C, a poor actor, or D, about to be killed. Now, you may think this stuff is just fringe. It's too fringe to really matter. I am not kidding you. In the United States, the ACE program is accredited and used in government-funded voucher programs in 11 states and in other countries around the world. In places like New Zealand and South Africa, ACE qualifications are accepted for entrance to several Universities. There are ACE nurseries. Talk about targeting the young and vulnerable. These nurseries commonly get government funding. ACE says its program is used in 192 different countries and 6,000 schools all around the world. There's a researcher. His name is Johnny Scaramanga. He's done a lot of work exposing the ACE program. Here are some other gems that are being taught to young kids. Number one. The Loch Ness Monster Disproves Evolution. This is in a science book. Granted, it's an older science book. I believe they've modified it after public pressure, but it's still worth highlighting here. Some scientists speculate that Noah took small or baby dinosaurs on the ark. Are dinosaurs still alive today? With some recent photographs and testimonies of those who have claimed to see one, scientists are becoming more convinced of their existence. Have you heard of the Loch Ness Monster in Scotland? Nessie, for short, has been recorded on sonar from a small submarine described by eyewitnesses and photographed by others. Nessie appears to be a plesiosaur. You want some more proof that you and I are living with dinosaurs? That same lesson has this paragraph. A Japanese fishing vessel brought up the decomposing body of a dinosaur-like sea creature off the coast of New Zealand. Caught at a depth of 900 feet, the creature weighed about 4,000 pounds, measured 32 feet in length, and was seen and photographed by crew members. The animal could not be matched with any living species but certainly resembles a supposedly extinct species of dinosaur. Now, all you have to do is a little digging on this claim to reveal that, yeah, they pulled a dead creature out of the ocean in New Zealand back in 1977, and it was rather odd-looking, but it was a decaying basking shark. In fact, scientists examined the tissue samples and said, oh yeah, this is a basking shark. But yet, somehow, the ACE program simply decided that it was a dinosaur and that this dino claim was supposed to disprove evolution, which, by the way, makes no sense. Because even if you stumbled upon a dino in the 21st century, and I know we're talking about descendants of dinosaurs all around us, I get that, even if we stumbled upon a dinosaur in the 21st century, it would not disprove evolution. More Dinosaur Science, this is from the ACE Science 1099 booklet, page 29. Biblical and scientific evidence seem to indicate that men and dinosaurs lived at the same time. Fossilized tracks in the bed of the Paluxy River in Glen Rose, Texas, also give evidence that men and dinosaurs existed simultaneously. Fossilized human footprints and three-toed dinosaur tracks occur in the same rock stratum. That dinosaurs existed with humans is an important discovery, disproving the evolutionists' theory that dinosaurs lived 70 million years before man. God created dinosaurs on the sixth day. He created man later the same day. By the way, those tracks, those human tracks they are referring to have been exposed as either really likely a hoax, a fake, Or was something just shaped like a foot that's non-human. It was total coincidence. It's such a problematic example. Even answers in Genesis and the Institute for Creation Research will not use this Glen Rose, Texas example to prove creationism and humans living with dinosaurs. Next up on the science front. This is from ACE Science Book 1096, pages 7 through 9. This lesson says that the nuclear fusion of the sun is a myth. There is no nuclear fusion in the sun, and our sun is shrinking. And here's how the thinking goes. If our sun is shrinking at a constant rate, which they believe it is, then it would have swallowed up the earth billions of years ago. And this means it would be impossible for the earth to exist Today, an old earth would be scientifically impossible. A shrinking sun means a young earth. The textbook says, quote, the nuclear fusion theory of how the sun emits heat and light is an invention of evolution scientists. Aha! The nuclear fusion of the sun is just part of a vast and global scientific conspiracy to kill God. Good information to have. Right there. Also, as part of the ACE curriculum, any gradual change from fish to reptile has no scientific basis. Evolutionists do not want to believe the universe was created by God. They declare evolution as a fact and believe it's impossible claims without any scientific proof. The creation of our earthly home required a miracle the design and work of a mighty creator. The evolutionist does not realize he also accepts his theories by faith. He cannot prove them by scientific demonstration, and he is dishonest when he claims they are science. This is supposedly preparing young children for college and for life. Many of these Christian schools that use the ACE program and other Christian curriculum— employ volunteers or staff, teachers, etc., who do not have college degrees. And this was true in my own life. I had private school experience in fourth grade, and they used the ACE program. The principal's wife was a monitor-slash-teacher. She had no college degree, no qualifications in education whatsoever. And yet, she was able to teach young and impressionable kids. I've got more Christian lesson plans. I've got plenty of input from people who are sharing their own Christian school experiences under a hashtag, ExposeChristianSchools. We're going to do that here in just a few. But I discovered that hashtag when it was shared by Dr. Chrissy Stroop. She is a frequent contributor to religion dispatches and a huge critic of of these indoctrination camps, like those that use ACE. Dr. Stroop, thank you so much for being here.
3: Well, thanks so much for having me, Seth, and please call me Chrissy.
2: Let's talk about this Expose Christian Schools hashtag, which we are, I guess it's sort of a symbiosis. It's trending and we're helping it trend at the same time. What is this mm-hmm. about? Did you have a background in Christian schools yourself or encounter something uh, that riled you up?
3: Both. This definitely comes from a place of personal experience. And I think a lot of people who are seeing the hashtag for the first time now don't know that I actually started it in uh, early 2019. And it trended then, right about the time of the Covington Catholic Boys scandal. So it got a big boost from that. And there were over 200,000 tweets at that time. There was a little write-up in the Associated Press and then eventually even in the New York Times. So that was very milquetoast, naturally. Um, So it trended months before... But, you know, seeing some stuff about various abuses and let's just say malpractice happening at Christian schools, educational malpractice, pedagogical malpractice, you know, the teaching of alternative facts and a Christian supremacist narrative, I've tried to get it going a few more times in the years since 2019, and it just didn't take off again until the last couple of days.
2: But you were definitely part of that culture.
3: I had... Relatively a pretty good Christian school experience compared to some other people, and yet it still traumatized me, and I'm still upset about it. And we still learned Young Earth Creationism, even though we had AP classes, even AP science classes, so that was just weird.
2: (laughs) What did your science books look like? Was it uh, straight-up theology?
3: Freshman biology, that textbook, yeah, was very much from a creationist point of view with all of the sort of classic phony apologetics arguments. Carbon dating is just based on circular reasoning. Also, all these conspiracy theories like the amount of dust on the moon indicates a young earth and, <laughs> you know, all that sort of <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Um, Nessie might be real and is probably a, a plesiosaur because, you know, dinosaurs only died out after Noah's Ark or probably they were just like overgrown lizards and creatures that already existed, but because there was the, the firmament and all that. You know, before the deluge, they just lived for hundreds and hundreds of years, just like people did. So they just grew really big. All kinds of nutty stuff. Not all of that was necessarily in the textbook, but a lot of anti-evolution points were in the textbook. However, chemistry, I mean, as far as I recall, it was just we, we learned our polyatomic ions and stuff. Chemistry is not as, you know, important from an ideological point of view, so you can teach it more accurately. But AP biology you know, it was a real registered certified AP class that we had to use an introductory college level biology textbook for it to be approved. And um, our teacher, Mr. Stephen Terry, refused to teach us the evolution chapters. And he also showed us, you know, I have to put this in quotes, quote unquote, documentary is about flood geology and all of this young earth creationist nonsense. That teacher was also just a nut in so many ways. He was this like, apocalyptic mystic sort of weirdo who believed he had this special connection to the Holy Spirit going on. And so he would start his classes, science classes, with these long rambling devotions that he called dots. And particularly at the beginning of the year, they would be very apocalyptic because, you know, following the Jewish calendar and all of that, the blood moons, the John Hagee kind of, you know, rapture predicting stuff. He always thought the rapture was going to be in the fall. And each year I had him, he thought it was going to be this fall. And um, apparently he he had, he continued, maybe still does that. You know, I've talked to younger alumni and he did that for years and years. It was always, you know, probably this fall around Yom Kippur. But you would get into class and sometimes he would take up maybe like half the class. I mean, often it would go for 20 minutes. I remember once he was basically the whole first period of the two periods that, you know, you had for AP biology because one was supposed to be a lecture and one was supposed to be a lab. And he would, he would start with something like, so, you know, I was a, I had this dream and, Uh, It it was judgment day, and I was before the the white throne, and, and Christ was separating the sheep from the goats, and I was so nervous just running up and down and trying to see if any of my students were among the goats, and he would just go on and on and on, you know, red heifers. Year of Noah, gay people. Wow. <laughs> Obviously, the rapture is probably going to happen this fall around Yom Kippur.
2: <laughs> of course we should give this person access to young and impressionable children. Yeah, no kidding. Did As you guys a science uh, teacher. <laughs> Did you do prayer requests? Like we would often spend up to 15 minutes of every 50-minute class hour doing prayer requests, which I always thought was I mean, every hour of a six or seven class hour day, all right, who's got a prayer request? Oh, you know, my aunt's sick, or I've got a big test, or I've got five unspoken. And then we'd all bow our heads and and pray. Did you guys do that at your school?
3: (laughs) Yes, we did. I I don't think it, I mean, it didn't happen in every class. It wasn't entirely consistent, but it did happen in a lot of classes. Uh, Yeah, we wasted a lot of school time on that exercise, which, you know, is among other things a vehicle for gossip and spreading of rumors and also a method of surveillance I think. <laughs> I mean not to say that the people who aren't who are doing it aren't sincere I think they are but you know prayer that's interesting Those, those evangelical prayer circles are just weird.
2: I hadn't right? thought so, like, about it in that way but I guess it is sort of a like a group confessional you're throwing out Specific things that maybe somebody could latch on to if they were interested enough to do so
3: Right, and you're super suspect if you don't participate So God hates introverts, I guess is the lesson from that
2: <laughs> You've been getting a lot of uh, feedback from the hashtag Expose Christian Schools I'm not asking you to have a photographic memory But just give me kind of a, I don't know, an overview of some of the responses that you're getting People have been genuinely damaged Can you give me some examples Mm -hmm. of the kind of stuff that's been coming your way?
3: Sure. So you see a lot of issues stemming from patriarchal beliefs and anti-LGBTQ beliefs and uh, physical discipline, sometimes sexual abuse and cover-ups. Also just people being unprepared for the real world out there by getting a poor education. That, again, does vary widely. People who who went to Catholic schools commenting a lot on the severe humiliating punishments and and corporal punishments, but, you know, not just the rap on the knuckles with the uh, ruler sort of thing, but being forced to write with your right hand, even though you're left-handed or being forced to uh, sit in a broom closet, forced to stand in a trash can at the front of the class. And, oh, uh, one of the very interesting responses was a story about how a, a little boy was talking to girls in a class and instead of just shushing him the nun who was teaching the class forced him to put on a girl's uniform saying you know if if you like talking to girls so much why don't you try being one and then had him stand in the girl's uniform in the trash can at the front of the class for the rest of the class and just ignored him wow he was crying according to an eyewitness who was in that class not the boy himself so that one is a second hand based on the person who what, what the person who shared it on twitter said but Yeah, I think a lot of the worst of that sort of stuff was pre-Vatican II or kind of a holdover after Vatican II. In Catholic schools, obviously, issues with authoritarian discipline and sexual abuse have continued in those institutions. When I first started the hashtag in 2019, I really had evangelical schools in mind, you know, because they call themselves Christian schools or Christian academies. So, if you say Christian school, that's what pops into my head. But of course, people who went to Catholic school have been sharing on on the hashtag as well. And I think in Catholic school, there's much more of a range of you know some schools are pretty decent and don't and uh, not too indoctrinating or coercive. But in evangelical schools, there, there's really not. It's just a spectrum of extreme to extremer. But yeah, you know, a lot of those themes come up around gender, abusive discipline, clearness. Basically, you know.
2: The human Anyone condition, yeah.
3: <laughs> Something like that, <laughs> the, <yeah. laughs> wide, the
2: wide spectrum of the human condition that does not fit into this cookie cutter. I want to address quickly this uh, issue of the cover-ups. We had a local school. They had a pedophile who was on staff. There are reports coming in. They do not go to the police. They decide it's a God matter, and they decide to, quote, handle it internally, This is, Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, it blew up in their face. And this guy, uh, the pedophile, is now doing a life term without parole, but not before he had damaged, I don't know, how many students over the course of how many years. It's just absolutely preventable and tragic and horrible. But we do see a lot of this. You know, it's kind of a God's law is trumping man's law. We need to. This is a spiritual matter kind of thing when it comes to sexual Mm -hmm. predators inside these schools. And you've heard these stories as well.
3: Yes. And many of them have not come out because the victims are not at this point ready to speak out. And so as someone who grew up in this climate, I know more than I can say, but, um, cause it's not, you know, my story to tell in many cases, but yeah, when I got a little older and I learned more about these things and I just had more context and I talked to certain people, I realized that there was so much abuse going on around me as a kid that I was just, unaware of, and I was lucky to have, you know, avoided any kind of sexual abuse in these strict patriarchal, authoritarian Christian environments where that kind of abuse is very common. I mean, one of the teachers from my Christian school, he actually was arrested and convicted of sexual misconduct with a minor. Our school did a brief experiment with having school sponsored clubs for a while. And so this is nerdy, but I was in the chess club and he was our chess club sponsor. So I knew him through that and also had him for our world history class. He was a very bad, very lazy teacher, by the way. He let us spend a lot of the class playing Battleship and watching movies. wow. (laughs) And Um. he also taught Spanish and apparently also was very lazy teaching Spanish. But I didn't take Spanish. Um, But yeah, well, he was convicted of sexual misconduct, but sentenced only to probation, as far as I recall. And I've also been made aware that there is allegedly more to this story, and I'm not going to say what, because this is secondhand information from a friend of the victim, but this guy, you know, has never really faced any very serious consequences for this. No, I think if I remember correctly, he did do a little jail time, but he didn't have to register as a sex offender, and um, he still is, you know, seen on his social media accounts interacting with between girls all the time
2: certainly does make one wonder if playing the religion card established an alternate set of rules a much more lenient set of rules for this person last thing real fast because i i know that the catholics have been saying well not us and then the christians come in and say my experience was amazing or that's not true mm-hmm. christianity or you know it's not always like this and Catholicism's better. No, Christianity's better. I mean, everybody's wanting to sort of define this narrow version of their specific religions, <laughs> and you are always pushing back on that, and I want to talk about that. Why? What's that about?
3: Yeah, well, you know, this kind of not-all defense is it's usually a deflection that keeps people from addressing issues within their own house, so I just kind of don't buy it. You know, I mean, for the people who had great experiences at their Catholic school or their evangelical school, Um, you know, okay, Uh, but your experience doesn't erase other people's experiences. So why are you bringing it up in, in this context where we're trying to expose systemic issues and problems with these kinds of schools, with the way that they're run, with the lack of regulation, with the curriculum, with the authoritarian discipline? For people who are, you know, not straight, white, popular boys have a different experience in those kinds of schools than straight, white, popular boys, obviously. So if you were a particularly privileged person in one of those schools, you're not going to see everything. I had a lot of privilege myself, and I didn't see everything. But when um, I, I looked back at it, you know, I understand a lot more of what was going on that I missed as a kid. And yet, for me as a kid, it also created all kinds of issues. You can say that I'm still that I'm still working through.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a deflection, which is my protest over it. I think instead of saying, "Wow, this is happening." their first knee-jerk is, well, this did not happen to me, which I think cheats the larger Mm -hmm. discussion, the necessary discussion.
3: Therefore, it's not important.
2: Dr. Chrissy Stroop, her handle on Twitter is C underscore Stroop, S-T-R-O-O-P. And of course, we're talking about the hashtag Mm -hmm. Expose Christian Schools. We're going to share a lot more of these stories and go deeper into this, but thanks for helping to kick off the discussion, Chrissy. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure, Seth. Thanks for having me. Now, we've been talking a little bit about the sexual dysfunction in religious institutions and also the dysfunction when it comes to the reports of sexual abuse or sexual violence. Let's pinball into this story. This came out of a report published by ProPublica Liberty University. And this is the college that was started by Jerry Falwell of The Moral Majority. Liberty University threatened to punish students who came forward with reports of being raped for violating the school's code of conduct. ProPublica spoke to more than 50 former students and staffers at Liberty University and reviewed records from more than a dozen cases which accused the school of discouraging and dismissing students who came forward with allegations of rape, reporting that in some cases they said they were threatened with punishment for breaking the school's moral code, known as the Liberty Way. Two former students told the news outlet they were penalized after reporting their assaults. One said she was fined $500 for alcohol consumption and was ordered to attend counseling. She said she was required to pay the fine or else she would not receive her transcript. Other students who said they were raped and spoke with a news outlet said they were advised to not report their incident, and some students claimed that university police officers dissuaded them from filing charges. Scott Lamb the former senior vice president of communications at Liberty University is now going public with details on how Liberty manages sexual assault cases. He told ProPublica that the school engaged in a, quote, conspiracy of silence when it came to reports of sexual assault on campus. This is another example, right, of a religious institution. They want to handle things internally. They don't want any of that pesky, bad publicity, they certainly don't necessarily want law enforcement involved. It's a stain on the college and an indication that the college might not be a safe place for their students. Anyway, that story continues to unfold. Some of the experiences being shared under the Exposed Christian Schools hashtag, Gabby said, I went to college and asked what evolution was. The teacher's assistant laughed at me, and after class I explained I didn't understand. He asked if I'd been in a cult when I explained. Now I understand that I was. Sophia said the nuns would regularly pick up children by the collar and shake them vigorously as punishment. I used to be left-handed, but they would hit my hand— and say I was influenced by the devil for doing so, and now I'm right-handed. This was all pre-K. Val said, an art teacher did an exercise where we write down all the things we love in life, family, pets, friends, etc. Then he lit a fire in a bucket, we were outside, and told us to throw the paper in, to teach us that those things are worthless and only God matters. Kelly said, I attended a private Catholic grade school. Once I was sent out into the hall for asking a priest too many questions about the Bible during the Q&A part of religion class. I'm still confused as to why he couldn't just answer me. That was 43 years ago. Han said, My school taught us that divorce is one of the worst things you could do. I asked once in Bible class about specific cases of abuse within marriage, like domestic violence and how our health and happiness should matter. The answer that I got, that God doesn't care about our happiness. Let's talk to some of our listeners here on the show. My first caller, tell me your name, please.
4: My name is... Charlie, you can call me Charlie. I grew up in uh, Maine, and from my earliest memory on, I've been—I was in Christian school. I grew up in a Fundamental Baptist home. Different Christian schools. Uh, the last one that I attended was a South Liberty Baptist Academy over in South Liberty, Maine. One of the interesting stories that came up as I was remembering things is uh, we had a—it was actually class. And it was called Bible. It was Bible class. And uh, Pastor Ross, he was our teacher, would take us, all the young men, into the auditorium. And we'd sit down and we would talk about various topics about the Bible. And one of the subjects that we were, for whatever reason at that time in our life, fascinated with was the subject of hell. And uh, this is oh, 93, 94, somewhere around in there, uh, a few years after the whole hellhole hoax the Soviet union had drilled a hole and the story goes to us as pastor Ross is talking about it, that, uh, they had drilled a hole and as they were drilling the drill bit started spinning furiously and like there was nothing there, like it was hollow. And then they dropped a microphone down and we could hear the screams of people dying. And that proves that, you know, hell's in the earth and all this stuff. And as evidence, he played this cassette tape, um, even now I can kind of remember the, the feeling of like um, just fear and terror and dread. Like even now, long 20 years, 30 years after the fact it still gives me goosebumps remembering that fear. Uh, it wasn't until just recently in the last four years that I looked this all up and found out that it was in fact a hoax that had been broadcast on Trinity broadcast network. But that was one of the most memorable I'd say experiences because for whatever reason we had a fascination with that topic. And even now just remembering as I, as I went down through and I was looking and, uh, remembering the feeling of when I first heard that cassette tape, it just kind of still to this day, gives me goosebumps. Is there a
2: lot of fear based teaching? You know, you don't want to go to hell kind of stuff in your school. Oh Yeah.
4: I remember there would be several nights and, uh, I would suffer from uh, sleep paralysis, and I didn't know what it was at the time, okay? I only know this now years after the fact, but I would wake up, and it would feel like there was a presence on my chest, and just this enormous feeling of dread and fear to the point where I couldn't even scream, and my father, who who was a Baptist preacher even to this day, would come in, and he'd pray, and you know, and then we'd talk to the pastor at the church, and it would be all the demons are attacking you and, you know, you need to be strong. And it's deep when it was really, it's a, it's sleep paralysis. You know, I was waking up and it's a, it's actually a common thing. But at the time, everything revolved around demons, the devil. And if you don't do this, or if you don't believe that you're going to burn alive forever, there's no escape from it. That took me decades to get over. Uh, It was through speakers like yourself and Aaron Raw and uh, others on YouTube when I started researching things on my own as an adult that really helped me get past that fear and understand that this was made-up mythology, that they had no right imprinting on us as as a child. I mean, my earliest memories are like two to four years old, and even then, it was hellfire, damnation. You either believe this or you're going to burn. And that's, there was no other way around it.
2: You have an opinion overall about Christian schools or religious schools? Let's call it fundi, fundamentalist religious schools in general.
4: I would say that it's, it's abusive. If, if I was to be honest and to really speak my mind, I would have to say that it's abusive. Uh, and it's not just the doctrine, indoctrination. It's the isolation In the school system that I was in particular, uh, the curriculum was the A.C.E. curriculum. And what this is, is it's basically a series of comic books that kids fill out on their own. And you sit in this little desk with this little cubicle and you've got a wall on either side of your little cubicle wall at your desk. And it keeps you completely isolated. If you have a question, you raise the Christian flag. If you're finished with your work, you raise the American flag. Any information that countered the dogmatic belief system that we were in was demonized. My knowledge of biological evolution at that point was whatever misinformation I got from a Jack Chick track. And that was that was it. There was nothing else. It was God created the world. Noah's flood happened. This was all literally true. And everything else was of the devil and trying to be you know, just some global conspiracy that was trying to lie to you. As a kid, if, you, if you're brought up that way from your earliest memories and all other information is shut off to you, it's the only world you know. And it's very, very hard to come out of that.
2: Well, it fits perfectly into the hashtag Expose Christian Schools, which is what we're talking about today. I mean, I'm glad you uh, ultimately were able to sort of reverse engineer it And see it for what it is. You doing okay today?
4: Uh, Today I am. Yes, sir. Um, I'm an atheist, and I am not real quiet about it either. Um, But it's thanks to work, like, people like yourself and uh, and Aaron Raw. He's one of my favorites because of you guys. And there was another guy, uh, Logic, I think it is. He did a bunch of videos against Ken Hovind who was actually a frequent speaker at our churches and our schools. I still have a Bible with his autograph in it to this day, just in a closet somewhere. But because of people like you, it was much easier to get the information I needed to break out of that fundamentalism.
2: Well, that makes my day. I just want the show to help people. So, Charles, I appreciate That's just a gift that uh, you've given me today. And thanks for sharing your perspective on Christian schools. Yes, sir. I remember that story about the uh, drilling the hole to hell. And there is audio of this. It's easily found on YouTube. Let me play you a clip of what is supposed to be the screaming of people who are in Hades. They drop the mic down, allegedly, and you could hear people in torment. Let me play you the audio of what he's talking about. And you can see how that would just scare the living daylights out of a child. I mean, it would scare a lot of people, but especially an impressionable child. You can see what he's talking about there. And that's how they try to scare children straight in Christian schools. More from our listeners. Plus, we're going to talk about the Bob Jones University and Abeka curriculums with some specific and very alarming information in those workbooks, targeted to young children. More coming up next, hang on.
1: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.
5: daily bonuses that should brighten your day a low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw for avoid we prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus
2: the show's totally commercial free to my patrons thank you so much for your support at patreon.com slash seth andrews Continuing our discussion with the hashtag expose christian schools. More social media feedback from our listeners M said, I attended a prominent Christian college. I had a professor ask if I had sex with my boyfriend in front of the whole class. Premarital sex would get you expelled. Mike said a girl in my class had sex with her boyfriend He had already graduated. That info got back to her cheerleading coach. He told the principal she was made to stand in front of the entire student body to admit to what she had done and ask for forgiveness. Stray said, I went to Christian school for a couple years. All my books were confiscated because they had dragons or anything fantasy related, including unicorns. Raquel said, I was in chapel one day at my old Southern Baptist school when our head pastor principal told the auditorium, full of children, ages 6 through 12, that if we weren't saved and our parents were, we'd never see them again after dying. Out of pure fear, I stood up and got saved that day. Ari said, my teacher from my Christian high school published a blog post during the 2020 election titled, Men, Make Sure Your Wife Votes the Same Way You Do. Jean said catechism classes were weekly lessons in how and why we were all going to go to hell. One nun told us every time we sinned, a piece of our hearts turned black. And if it all became black, we would go to hell. We were seven years old. Next up, I've got Tracy. Tracy, we're talking about exposing Christian schools. Do you have an encounter, a bizarre experience, something awful? I don't know. Uh, Do you have a story for the show?
6: I do. Well, I was raised Catholic, and part of the Catholic education is going to Wednesday night catechism, and that's where we would learn more about the Catholic Church and Jesus and we would learn how to do the sacraments like confession and communion, etc. One Wednesday night when I was eight, the nun teaching the class was going to teach us about Satan. So she tried to tell us how we would perhaps encounter Satan. For example, she would say, You know, he could be lurking anywhere. He would be lurking in the music you listen to, he could be lurking in the books you read. But the thing that terrified me and horrified me was that she said, Satan can even be in the milk you drink at dinner tonight. And that was terrifying, of course. Um, So when I got home that night, I sort of eyed my milk suspiciously at the dinner table. And I don't think I drank milk for six Mm -hmm. months after that.
2: So you're an eight-year-old and you're a very literal thinker. Somebody says Satan could be in the milk. You go home, (laughs) you see a glass of milk and it freaks you out. Right.
6: The thing is, at that age... I suppose they're not talking in hyperbole. I mean, they're thinking that's literal, and so I'm thinking it's literal, and it was terrifying.
2: Anything could be imbued with evil if you have that mindset, huh? Exactly. How long did it take to get over your fear of the devil?
6: Um, I would say I was probably a teenager before I really started kind of realizing it was it wasn't real. It was sort of a man-made construct, and I sort of started coming out of it. It wasn't until my late 40s that I actually really stopped believing in all that um but um yeah it's was, it's was hard It was hard to get through
2: you're doing okay today
6: oh yeah absolutely wonderful i'm really happy where i am now and you know it's been a good a good road so far so yeah
2: all right well thanks for sharing the anecdote for the show i appreciate it tracy
6: you're welcome and thank you seth for all you do you've been really instrumental
2: oh, it's a pleasure I've got Derek on the line. Hi, Derek. You with me? Yeah, I'm here. The hashtag is exposing Christian schools. We're talking about our personal experiences. What do you have for the show?
7: Well, I was uh, sent to a Christian school when I was pretty young. I would say it started with, I didn't do terribly great in uh, school starting off. And my parents wanted to get me to go to a, a Christian school, a private school. And some of that also started with me not wanting to necessarily be religious. There was a point in time where they wanted to constantly go to church, and I didn't. And I remember uh, my my parents specifically said, it's not an option, we are a Christian family, and we go to church as a family. And when I I kept pushing back on that, I was eventually sent
2: to a a Christian school. They're trying to force-feed you their religion through school then.
7: Yeah, yeah. And so it very much became a... You know, I would try not to go to church if I didn't have to, which wasn't really my thing. And it was sort of heavy-handedly. Well, if if that's not going to work, then we're gonna we're gonna send you to school, and you know, you're gonna you're not gonna you're gonna go here. And so we had this private Christian school that claimed to be accredited and all these things. So when I started going in there, they had really heavily replaced things, you know, science class wasn't really a science class. It was more of a pseudo science class. It was very young earth creationist. The world and the universe is 6,000 years old. You know, we had Bible study all the time. Mornings were worship and I was just I was basically surrounded by that stuff.
2: Just a church service then every single day.
7: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, you know, it went from, you know, I was I was pretty young then, so I I started going there. I want to say it was probably my from my seventh grade year into later into my eighth grade year. So I ended up going back to back to public school, I want to say end of eighth, eighth grade. So I was basically jettisoned into uh, public school right as I was entering high school. And I really kind of messed with things because I was not doing great in school because of that. So I was failing science. And, uh, you know, I remember when we got into biology my teacher got into the whole discussion of evolution, and I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want anything to do with it. It was a lie. They were just trying to trick me, and uh, I ended up graduating
2: with a D+. So your Christian school experience sort of uh, put you, I don't know, behind the eight ball, so to speak. I mean, it sort of reverted you back, yeah. so you were steps behind the other students.
7: Oh, I was way behind. Um, I actually found my journal last year that I had written in my, my private school And, uh, you know, they encourage us to keep a journal. And I had this journal just covered and, you know, like God rules and I love Jesus and all this stuff. And I opened it up and and there was so much persecution complex in there. I remember reading a passage in there that was, you know, like, "Uh, I I can't wait to go to uh, public school and share the love of Jesus. And even if they beat me up and I bullied and and this happens and that happens, nothing's going to stop me from you know, sharing God, and I, I just now I look at that and I cringe. But when I was there, they put us in youth groups, encouraged us to go after, you know, after school to to youth group. And a lot of that, I don't know, have you ever heard of uh, Hell's Bells?
2: I've heard of it. There's a song. I think there may be a movie on it.
7: The movie. So there was a point in time where in our youth group, the uh, these were these were people that were both teachers and also leading the youth group. And uh, they showed us this movie called Hell's Bells, The Dangers of Rock and Roll. And I was pretty young and impressionable. So it was terrifying to me because, you know, being really super religious and in a young earth creationist family, this movie was about how, you know, basically anything that's not godly music is the devil and, you know, it's, it's dangerous and it's, you know, there's like, oh, if you play this record backwards, you'll hear, you know, them trying to worship Satan. It was stuff like that. But I mean, this is the stuff they're, they're showing kids in, you know, seven, eighth grade. And I, uh, I remember going through a period of time where I was, I was convinced by my youth leaders to burn anything that wasn't godly music, to burn any books that weren't godly. You know, anything that was secular was bad.
2: So they're placing you in a Christian school kind of worked, right? They wanted to get you in line. Sounds like it, it was effective.
7: Yeah. And it was effective. And, um, You know, But I mean, when I got, you know, there was a lot of the kids that were sent to the private school as well were kids that were really troubled and they weren't necessarily, you know, from Christian households. So those kids didn't really like, you know, the fundamentalist kids. So I got bullied a lot. But the teachers kind of used that to feed that persecution complex, that whole like, oh, well, they just don't understand, uh, you know, they're jealous of your love for Jesus and you just got to, you got to love them harder and. And just keep at it, you know. They—they're only doing that because they're—they're they're jealous. It's not because of you.
2: Did you start to sort of slide back the other way when you went back to public school?
7: Um, it was a real slow progression, I would say, to get away from religion. It took me a long time to get out of that. Uh, I didn't really start to really drop religion until I got probably nineteen or twenty is when I started having more doubts. But, you know, when I started to get back into public school, yeah, some of those things started creeping up. I remember, uh, you know, when they were talking about the big bang in science class and I got into the whole like, Oh, well that can't be true because God created the universe. And I remember somebody saying something that was kind of like one of those little ninja stars that gets in the back of your brain that kind of gnaws at you. And they were like, well, what if that's how God did it? It was the big bang. And I was like, Oh, I never thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, so things like that, you know, I was like, oh, that's actually, that's a great point. And um, when I finally graduated school and I, I got to the point where, you know, I started surrounding myself with more secular people and friends and stuff like that, it started to slowly drop off. And I eventually went through my deconversion, and, you know, I, I'm now a proud atheist.
2: Can you graduate with a D minus? I always thought D was failing. I'm trying to figure out how you slid through the cracks. They let me
7: graduate with a D plus.
2: Oh, yeah. D plus, I, I see.
7: Yeah, D plus. I, I, it was like the skin of my teeth.
2: Like, yeah, just it get him was, out of here. Uh, Give him his diploma.
7: <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it was by the skin of my teeth. It, yeah. it was not a great experience. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of embarrassing. Years later, after I got out of there and um, I started to go through my deconversion, I actually reached out to some of my old teachers and was like, "Hey, you know, I, I never really." learned about evolution can you kind of point me in the right direction you know like not to sound like a total dork but you know i'd like to at least get my you know hands on some curriculum that i can read up so i at least have an understanding of this as an adult and um surprisingly they were pretty receptive they you know linked me to some documentation and and some online curriculum stuff that you know they would shoot their high school students for studying and you know i was like can i ask you any questions if i have any and the teacher i remember who was you know my biology teacher taught evolution stuff like that his response was you know those things don't necessarily have to be in conflict which seemed like a polite way of saying you know like well i'm religious and i believe in it you know there's no reason you don't have to be religious to believe in evolution
2: yeah well it sounds like they were at least receptive you know it's a, probably a lesson that education comes in so many forms like how many years do you spend inside the classroom under the fluorescent lights and then how many opportunities do you right. have to learn when you're when you're not there? You know you're able to go out and the world is really your your classroom and education. I think healthy education never never stops. We learn something new all the time, every single Absolutely. day. Hopefully, right?
7: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I I think the thing that's most frustrating to me is you know I'm, I, I had to go back years later. I'm 36 now, so that was a while ago. But uh, you know I felt very much robbed of my education. You know, I barely graduated high school. They were, you know, I had to go to summer school just to make up a bunch of stuff, just to even get that grade. And uh, it was frustrating. You know, it's kind of like I look back and I'm like, man, I can't believe I had to go through all of that. I went through all this crazy bullying in private school and indoctrination. And then I go through here and my mom reinforced it because she was a public teacher and she was, she was very religious. And so, you know, when I was pushing back and like, no, this conflicts with my beliefs, it was very much like, well, look at my son and him standing up for this and yada, yada, yada. And so that just reinforced me being like, ha, huh, my parents are behind me, so I'm doing the right thing. And now I look back, I'm like, God, I wish I really, really wish I didn't have to, go, I, you know, how much education did I miss out on just because of all
2: of the indoctrination they put me through? Yeah, you got there, you know, better late than you and I both got there better late than never. Derek, I appreciate your perspective. I think it's a great example of uh, of how Christian schools really can inhibit people. I think a lot of people are learning through your experiences. So that's a positive and I greatly appreciate it.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime.
2: I started off the show talking about the ACE program. I want to get into Bob Jones University and its curriculum as well as the ABECA private, and homeschool curriculum. This stuff is pretty much a nightmare. Bob Jones University itself is a human rights nightmare. Uh, Bob Jones Sr. was a racist who started a college back in 1924 and kind of bounced around and essentially founded Bob Jones University, which is now in South Carolina. Just think about a prison camp, and that's kind of what BJU Uh, especially was, I don't know how strict it is these days, but it used to be that there were extreme dress codes. You know, women had to wear skirts and men had to wear the jacket and the tie. You weren't able to go to the movies. You weren't able to go on a date off campus without a chaperone. You couldn't touch. Uh, Even engaged couples couldn't kiss. Bob Jones University wouldn't allow black people to enroll as students until the early 1970s, and even then, interracial dating was prohibited. This became such a human rights problem that the Internal Revenue Service revoked its tax-exempt status over the issue, and that ended up at the Supreme Court, where the college lost. But even up to the year 2000, Interracial dating was prohibited. This was a reflection of Bob Jones Sr. and his sons, which subsequently took over. In 1998, a public relations spokesman for BJU spelled it out like this. He said, "...God has separated people for his own purposes. He has erected barriers between the nations, not only land and sea barriers, but also ethnic, cultural, and language barriers." God has made people different from one another and intends those differences to remain. Bob Jones University is opposed to intermarriage of the races because it breaks down the barriers God has established. Now, this was reversed a couple of years later. Bob Jones didn't apologize. The college didn't apologize for this until 2008. So this is pretty much like yesterday, especially when we consider that this is an organization, an institution that has been producing these private Christian school materials on the order of decades. Those materials were hugely deferential to white supremacy. You can see this in the curriculum's handling of the subject of slavery in the United States before the Civil War. From the Bob Jones University workbook, United States History for Christian Schools, A few slave owners were undeniably cruel. Examples of slaves beaten to death were not common. Neither were they unknown. The majority of slaveholders treated their slaves well. This is the angle that BJU was taking in regard to the slave trade in the United States. From the same book, the story of slavery in America is an excellent example of the far-reaching consequences of sin. The sin in this case was greed, greed on the part of the African tribal leaders, on the part of the slave traders, and on the part of the slave owners, all of whom allowed their love for profit to outweigh their love for their fellow man. The consequences of such greed and racism extend across society and far into the future. It resulted in untold suffering, most obviously for the black race, but for the white race, as well. So you can see him starting to put in the fact that white people were oppressed by this sin of greed. And keep in mind that Bob Jones Sr. believed that black people had actually benefited, like the 20th century, black people had benefited from the fact that their ancestors were dragged here by slave traders in the 1800s. This was the attitude of Bob Jones, Sr. I mean, that's the same guy who, when he dedicated his uh, college back in Panama City, Florida in 1926, he brought in to give the keynote none other than the newly elected governor of Alabama, a guy named Bib Graves. Bib Graves had gotten the full and official endorsement of the KKK. That's Bob Jones, okay? And the Abeka program found its quote-unquote silver lining in regard to racism. The Abecca program was started by a woman named Rebecca, or Becca Horton, and her husband Arlen. They founded a small Christian school in the 1950s, a Christian college 20 years later, and they are behind the Abeka curriculum, which is used in private and home schools, problematic approaches to American history and civil rights, essentially giving Christianity the credit for freeing the slaves in both body and soul. From the Abeka book, America, Land I Love, To help them endure the difficulties of slavery, God gave Christian slaves the ability to combine the African heritage of song with the dignity of Christian praise. Through the Negro spiritual, the slaves developed the patience to wait on the Lord and discovered that the truest freedom— is from the bondage of sin. From the same workbook, quote, although the slaves faced great difficulties, many found faith in Christ and learned to look to God for strength. By 1860, most slaveholders provided Christian instruction on their plantations. Oh, that's really good news. The people owning other human beings' as property were at least having Bible studies, and pitching Jesus. And we find throughout the ACE, the Abeka program, the BJU programs, the focus is suspiciously white and very often male. When it deals with females, it's often talking about serving the male or their role as homemakers or modesty or purity culture. There's almost no talk of non-whites, at least in a meaningful way. And there's certainly no talk, no positive commentary about non-heterosexuals. In fact, some of these workbooks have equated the, quote, choice of being a homosexual with the choice of being a criminal, even a murderer. And many of these curriculums actually benefit from our taxpayer money. tax vouchers that are given to low-income families who want to send their children to private school. You and I get to subsidize much of this as children are sent to these indoctrination camps in the name of education. We've just scratched the surface here. If you have a specific encounter, an anecdote, a story, an example, and you'd like to help draw attention, go on social media, tell the story, and use the hashtag exposechristianschools. And let's see if we can bring some more attention to much of the damage that is being done, indoctrination masquerading as education. Thank you so much to everybody who participated in the broadcast and who submitted their stories. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe. Have a great week. I'll see you back here next time.
0: Follow The Thinking Atheist on Facebook and Twitter. For a complete archive of podcasts and videos, products like mugs and t-shirts featuring the Thinking Atheist logo, links to Atheist pages and resources, and details on upcoming free thought events and conventions, log on to our website, thethinkingatheist.com.